Nehemiah 13. Now I'm on. All right. Nehemiah 13. I'm going to look at verse 29 through 31. It says, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business. And for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your word tonight. Thank you for the time we can be together. We pray as we look into the word of God that we'd be encouraged and strengthened in our walk with the Lord. May you be glorified and we help. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah is the man we don't know a whole lot about. Uh, he was a cupbearer in the King Artaxerxes' court, which is a place of distinction, a very, very prominent position. Uh, and, of course, this was during the time that the, the, the Jerusalem, uh, there had been some people who had returned to Jerusalem under uh, Darius and Cyrus, but Jerusalem was still in shambles. The walls were still broken down, burned, and it was just a mess. And, and, and he had gotten word concerning this and became burdened about this condition. And so here's this man who has a very prominent position uh, in society, uh, you know, next to the king. But what we know him for really is rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and restoring the worship of God. However, in doing that, he got he faced much opposition. So tonight we'll look at Nehemiah uh, conquering opposition. That's what we're going to look at. You know, the Bible tells us that that uh, we are going to face in this world, living in this world, we are going to face opposition. Uh, Jesus told his disciples in John chapter sixteen. Just before he was crucified, in John 16, 1, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh. That, by the way, that word synagogue is the same Greek word that's translated church, other places. It's just a Jewish gathering place. It's assembly. Um, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think, that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. In Matthew chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, again, verses 34 through 36, Jesus, again speaking to his disciples, says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, man's foes shall, they be, shall be they of his own household. Now, he didn't come. It says, I'm not come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Of course, the cause of division is their rejection of the Messiah, uh, the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, people can get very 
angry and agitated and reactionary and even criminal against the gospel and those who received the gospel. Saul of Tarsus, good example. Of course, there's many in our day that are doing the same thing. Uh, so this, these, these are the things that were, are spoken of God's people. Second Timothy 3, Paul would write to Timothy, say, Yea, and all that, that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you're going to live for God in this world, you're going to face some opposition. Expect it. Expect it. And I want to look at six ways that Nehemiah faced opposition tonight. Six ways that he faced opposition. You know, he, he wasn't back in Jerusalem very long in beginning to build that he faced opposition. The first opposition we find is ridicule. In chapter 2 and verse uh, 19, it says, But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? You know, so they, they laughed them to scorn. So they mocked them. They made fun of them. They ridiculed them. You know, this, this was a continual thing the entire time he was building. In chapter 4, again, verse 1, But it came to pass that when Sinbalat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great ignition and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews... Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So they, 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 they received this ridicule. Uh, this, this ridicule was, was cast at them. They were made fun of. But, but they simply responded in chapter 2, verse 20. Nehemiah says, Then I answered them, I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will rise and build, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. In chapter 4, again, verses 4 through 6, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their own head. Give them a prey, prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity, let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked, notice this, they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So his response is, Lord, you take up our cause. They have mocked you. Who was it? Who did David, when David went out against Goliath, did he not remind Goliath that, it wasn't just Israel that he had spoken against. He had spoken against the God of Israel. You defied the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, and he will give you into our hands, is what David said. And so, so as he's ridiculed here, Nehemiah is ridiculed, he, 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 he reminds them, or turns us over to the Lord, and says, Lord, they are mocking you. We are here by your commandment. When you are doing something under the command of God and you are mocked for it, they are really, in reality, mocking God in his work. It's a dangerous place to be. And 
And, of course, his further response was, we see in verse 6, so built we with a wall. We just kept working. And the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. So we built the wall. We just keep on working. Let them ridicule. Let them make fun. Let them make fun. So when, we are, when you're ridiculed, let people mock. The Bible says fools make a mock at sin. And so we see he's ridiculed. The second thing we see, it not, you know, the ridiculing didn't stop it. You know, and, and this is the way it, kind of the way it goes in the world. If, if, if something not quite so strong doesn't do the job, they up their ante, you know. So then it comes to threatening. Chapter 4, verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. They were very wroth. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. There is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. Our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. It came to pass, when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places, Whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. So, so here now they're threatening. They're threatening. They, they, they see the wall is being made up, so the, they notice the ridiculing didn't work, so they begin threatening. You know, if you... Sometimes threatening comes like this. That, you know, if you, if you are too literal with the Bible... It, it can cause you to go off the deep end. Or, you know, if you if you too hold to, to biblical standards, you know, you'll lose your children. I always said if you don't have any biblical standards, you lost them anyway. I remember Ron Williams, he was an older man, and we remain, he 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 said he told us told my wife and I this Beware of those who will criticize you for your quote Pharisaical legalism, unquote. For your standards, they will seek to undermine you. You know, sometimes people will say things, many times it comes from friends, sometimes family. But again, notice what Nehemiah's response is in verse 13. Therefore, set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your, your, wives and your houses. Uh, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught. That we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the haberdians. 
and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which build on the wall, and they which that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. You know, there's a there's a there's a little application here. Of course, they they armed themselves to defend themselves uh, from the threat. But the other application, you know, they they held to the swords to protect him. You know, this is the sword of the Lord. It's our, it's, our, it's our offensive weapon against the enemy. And we need to use it. We need to apply it to everyday life situations. That the threatenings come to naught. Come to naught. Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray. Peter tell, warns us that we have an adversary that will walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we, we have to be aware of their threatenings. But we must not, we must not back up because of threatenings. You know what a threat is? It's just a threat. It's not action. Now, it's always a possibility for action, and they prepared for that, but it was never carried out. It was just a threat. You know who threatens? Bullies. And oftentimes you call their bluff and they back off. You know, a lot of the problem with what's going on in the world with this woke thing is people are giving in to it. If people would quit giving in to it, they let them alone. They're, I mean, what, they, what are they going to do after? You know, of course, kill them. It's the only alternative they have is, is commit some criminal act action. And that'll ruin their, which they're starting to, you know, people are starting to wake up. But anyway, so threatening. Uh, we aren't to be ignorant of their devices, but we must continue with the work and hold to the sword, to the biblical standards. The third thing we see here is deception or distraction. Look at chapter 6, and this is probably the most subtle of all the attempts to destroy the work that Nehemiah was doing and probably the most successful tactic Satan has. It's deception. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, the rest of our enemies, heard that I had built the wall. There was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do us, do me, mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work. So that I cannot come down, why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after the sort, and I answered them after the same manner. You know, Nehemiah came to Jerusalem with one purpose in mind. And that was to rebuild the walls, to establish the, the temple worship again, to shut down the, the business on the Sabbath day. You know, again, that all has to do with their, their worship of the Lord. And so the, these were the things he came to do. He didn't come to have dialogue with the neighbors, the enemies. That wasn't his purpose. He didn't come to have a conference with the enemies and, and the kings around him. No, he came for one purpose, and that was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 
and reestablish the temple worship. You know, up until he had come, the, the priests had all fled to their farms to, to survive because the, the sacrifices were not brought in, which means the, the food that was to be the priest's uh, uh, supply was not there. And so they couldn't sustain life working at the temple because the sacrifices weren't brought in. Why? Because the priests were in league with the enemy. As we'll see uh, later on. But see, here, here's, here's an attempt to divert him from the work that God had called. To get him sidetracked from his calling, from his purpose. But he says, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. You know, it's interesting. You know, I always said, that, you know, you notice in verse 2, it says, That sand ballot and Geshem sent, us, sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one ballot, uh, one of the villages in the plain of Oh, no. So the answer is, oh, no. No. The answer is no. Can't do that. Uh, he wasn't there to confer to see what they might have an agreement. He already knew where they, who they were. He knew what they were. He knew they didn't have anything in common. He knew they had nothing to do with the worship at Jerusalem of their God. And so he wasn't seeking cooperation with the enemy concerning the building of the wall and the restoration of the temple worship. You know, we must not allow the world to distract us from our purpose as a church. You know, the purpose as a church is to glorify God and, of course, to be a witness and testimony to the world and and to to take the gospel into all the world, uh, both here and abroad, through missions. and, And we must keep that purpose ever before us and not be distracted. You know, many, many churches are, are distracted in the social work. You know, we need to do good to people, but we need our purpose is the preaching of the gospel. So we are not to be distracted from our purpose. You know, a Christian school can be a distraction. There may be some good Christian schools, but they can become a great distraction. I've talked to quite a few pastors that have them, and they every one of them has said, if you don't have one, don't start one. That's what they say. Don't start one. So we have to be careful. We do not get distracted. We need to be be like be like uh, um, Nehemiah who simply said, no, I'm doing a great work and I'm not going to be distracted. A fourth thing. Again, you know, notice there's one thing doesn't work. It, you know, there's something else, there's, there's some other avenue. Now there's a false accusation. Chapter 6, verse 5. Then sent, then sent, so they sent four times after that same sort, trying to get him to, to meet with them. Then verse 5 says, Then sent Simon Bilet, his servant unto me, in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest a wall, that they mayest be their king according to these words. And that thou hast appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shalt be reported to the king according to these words. 
Come now, therefore, let us take counsel together. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting. It is reported among the heathen. Okay, who? Who? Doesn't that sound like reporters? It's reported. It's reported. It's reported. Okay, who's reported it? Where'd it come from? Or he says here, Gashmu also saith it. Well, you know, he's like a progressive Democrat. You can't trust anything he says. The lying liberal media. Um, and, and, and notice, again, the, notice the wording here. Jews think to rebel. Think to rebel. And that's why, you, you know, and so they're surmising. They're surmising or trying to, trying to make it look like you know, this is this is his plan all along. He wasn't just planning just to rebuild the wall to restore worship. He's got a motive in mind. So not only are they falsely accusing him, they're questioning his motives, which often false accusations do. Of course, they falsely accuse Christ. They you know, they, the first thing they tried to do with him was discredit him by saying, you know, you're born of fornication. So that would discredit him. And then if that didn't work, let's, let's try to destroy him. And, and the second thing they said was, and this is basically what they're saying here, you're planning an insurrection against the king. See, that would be criminal. That'd be criminal. Guess I hit the right pitch, huh? Uh, so, so you know, and, and again, these 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 are uh, things that churches are accused of being trying to to uh, uh, disregard authorities and all that sort of things nowadays, and 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 and. Uh, 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 you know, being showing being discriminate against people. I, I remember when they were, you know, John, Bob Jones University used to have a policy that you couldn't you couldn't date a another culture, another race of students, and they 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 accused them of dis- discrimination. And Bob Jones Jr. said, "Who am I discriminating against? It's the same for everyone. So who am I discriminating against? Yeah." Uh, you know they couldn't really say anything, um, but you know these are the things that that are uh, that Christians many times are accused of. But again, you know notice notice what uh, Nehemiah's response here in verses eight to nine. It says, "And I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. You just made them up. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work." that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Medabel, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within. Let me stop there. So, so he said, you, know, you, you just made this up. You're trying to make us afraid. Uh, in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. 
For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17. The Apostle Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And so, you know, and again, they, they accused, you know, in Acts chapter 19, they accused, uh, Paul was accused of destroying uh, uh, the, the worship of Diana and all that. And, and, um, and, of course, there was an insurrection made there against Paul and against the Jews. You know what Paul's response was? It says, after the uproar was ceased, Paul called on his disciples, embraced them, and departed to go into Macedonia. What did he go into Macedonia for? To preach the gospel. Just keep on. Just keep on. You know, they're going to falsely accuse you. They may call you things that you haven't been called by anybody else. But so persecuted they the prophets. False accusations. Then we notice the fifth thing. Fear. Verse 10. Chapter 6, verse 10. Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahitabel, who was shut up. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. Now, what's wrong with that? What would be so bad about hiding in the house of the Lord or in the temple. And we're not talking about church building. There's only certain people that were supposed to win that temple. And Nehemiah wasn't one of those. He wasn't a priest. He was just a builder. He was just a cupbearer. He was not a priest. And only certain people were allowed to enter into the temple. And so, and notice verse 11, Nehemiah says, And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. You see, so here he's put in fear to, te- to seek protection by God, unquote, by compromising God's word. What happens when you compromise God's word? You set God against you. And so here's an effort. Again, this is very deceitful also. Here's an effort. You know, this, this is, a, this is a, again, you know, the Bible talks in Ephesians 6 about the wiles of the devil. He's very clever. So here's an effort to get Nehemiah to do something out of fear to protect his own life that would make God displeased with him. In fact, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And we see an example of somebody that tried to go into the temple. 2 Chronicles doesn't sound right. Yes, it is. Second Chronicles 26, 
and verse 16. This is Uzziah, who was, who was, for all intents and purposes, a pretty good king in Judah. But verse 16 says, When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord thy God. Then Uzziah was wroth. You know, like, how dare you tell me? I'm the king. How dare you tell me? I can't go in here. You, know, you have to be careful trying to put yourself in positions you don't belong in or places. It says, then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest and leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him and behold he was leprous in his forehead and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper on the day of his death and dwelt in a several house being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. You remember Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord high and holy and lifted up. You know, it, was a, it was a dramatic day for Isaiah, the day that Uzziah died. In other words, he was... He was he was grieved that the good king, Uzziah, he had done much good in Judah, died. But here we see Uzziah, you know, he's, he's, he's puffed up with pride. <coughs> he tries to intrude into priest's office. By the way, there was two other guys who did this. Well, that offered strange fire. Huh? Saul, Saul intruded into the priest's office, and he was rejected for being king. I was thinking of two brothers that offered strange fire, two sons of Aaron. They intruded in the place that didn't belong. And so here's, here's a temptation. They're tempting him to do something to compromise to save his skin. And the world's going to try and get you to try and pressure you to do something that you know is against God. To, so that so that you can save your skin, maybe save some embarrassment, or maybe maybe just cover up something you did that was wrong. You know what? It's better to confess the wrong than to compromise. This would be an example of the end justifies the means. And this act, this act, if Nehemiah would have done what they suggested or tried to get them to do, this act would have brought reproach upon himself. It would have sent, set God against him, and God would have judged him in some way. But Nehemiah 
again, verse 11, And I said, Should such a man as I flee, who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent. The, you know, the sad thing is here, these, these people, these people are workers in the temple that are encouraging him to do this. So I perceived that God had not sent him, but he was pronounced this prophecy against me for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. So the enemy hired him. Therefore was he hired and I should, that I should be afraid and do so and sin. They might have a matter for an evil report. They might reproach me. But my God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sanballat according to their words on the prophets, Nadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. So again, the, he was encouraged to do this uh, or put in fear by those <coughs> prophets false prophets there and to try and save his skin so there were it was a deceitful trick to try and get nehemiah to sin that would have set god against him and of course he would not do it yeah kind of reminds me of joseph who would not sin against god and do this wickedness so there's fear the world will put you in fear. If you don't go along with us, if you don't, you know, there's lots of things the world could throw at you to try and cause you to stumble. You know, the world enjoys seeing Christians stumble. And then, number six, lastly, and this is a grievous one, corruption of friends and associates. Verse 15 through 19. So the wall was finished in the 20th and 5th day of the month, in 52 days. It came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah, Notice this. The nobles of Judah sent many letters unto Tobiah. That's the enemy. And the letter of Tobiah came unto them. For there are many in Judah sworn unto him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshullam, the son of Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me. In other words, they're always constantly telling me how good this guy is. He's the guy that tried to get them to stop building the wall, tried to put him in fear, tried to get him to compromise, but they're always saying how good he is. His good deeds. And they uttered my words before him, and Tobiah sent letters to put me in fear. You know, these are people, these are people in positions of leadership and positions of power. You know, Tobiah was was a, uh, a a governor or something of one of the neighboring countries. I'm not sure which which one, but but he was in, in league with Sanballat and Geshem. You know, they were the enemies around them that wanted to keep Judah in subservience to them, and and so on. And so uh, this was a uh, this was a power play uh, against Nehemiah, and and so they're they're constantly. Uh, this harassment, and they are co- corrupting the, the these corruption of friends and associates is is discouraging, and 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 it turns many away from the truth. Look at chapter thirteen. 
And this, this continues throughout this book, chapter 13. <clears throat> and before this, verse 4, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Here we go. He had prepared him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of corn, the new wine, the oil which commanded to be given to the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the offerings of the priests. So, so you know, if, if the temple was set up correctly, they have these rooms where they're supposed to store the goods that the people bring in that is supposed to be the food supply for the priests that work in the temple. Well, Ishib, the priest that had the oversight of this, took that room and gave it to Dubai use. So guess what? There was no place to store all the stuff so it wasn't brought in. So, the, so again, the priests, the Bible says, uh, the priests had fled to their fields. Um, yeah, verse 10, And I perceived that the portion of the Levites had not been given them for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. So, so there was not, you know, it wasn't brought in as it was supposed to have been. So the so priests had to go back to the field. So the temple worship uh, failed or greatly was uh, decreased or stopped altogether. And, and, and so, uh, you know, there's this, there's this corruption that takes place. You know, and when others turn away from the truth and no longer hold the truth, that's discouraging. It's discouraging. But we are to rely on the word of God. Verse 12 of chapter 13 says, Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn, the new wine, and the oil under the treasures. And I made treasures over the treasuries. Shelemiah the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and the Levites, Padiah, and next to them was Hanan the son of Zucker, and the son of Mananiah, for they were counted faithful, and their office was to distribute unto their brethren. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God, and for the offices thereof. So he, he, re, he, he reinstituted this, the, the, uh, this place, the storage place, and appointed treasurers over it who were men of faithfulness uh, uh, to keep the work and to set it right. You know, and again, this is, this is an obedience to the word of God. You know, how many times have, we ha- have you heard said, well, they, do- they don't hold that standard anymore. They don't believe like that anymore. Well, I don't believe like that anymore. So-and-so said, well, when did, when did God die and give so-and-so the authority? No, we have to rely on the word of God. Notice, and notice the last three verses again of, of this chapter 13. Nehemiah says in verse 29, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business, and for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits. Remember me, O my God, for good. Nehemiah showed no respect of persons. Didn't matter if it was Eliashib, the priest. It had to be corrected. Because it was in violation of the word of God. 
And so he, he cleanses it. He cleanses the, the, from the strangers, and he appointed wars that is guards of the priests and Levites and set things in order. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. you know there'll be many that turn away from the truth but we need to be like the disciples here in Matthew 19 verse 27 then answered Peter and said unto him behold we have forsaken all and followed thee what shall we have therefore we need to forsake all to follow thee be willing to forsake all Jesus said unto them verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory he also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he's talking to those twelve disciples. He said, you're going to sit on twelve thrones, and everyone that has forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, Nehemiah would fit in that group. And if you are faithful, you'll fit in that group. If you forsake others for the Lord... In obedience to the Lord, he says, you shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. You know, you don't have to give God. God will reward us for, for our faithfulness. You know, Second Peter 1.19 says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well that we take heed as unto light that shineth in a dark place. There was many around Nehemiah that were people in places of leadership that corrupted themselves. And he had to point others. But he didn't let that corruption corrupt him. Though it was discouraging. You know, he had to come back. I don't know, you know, if you would read the book, You'll find that there's a, there's a time after he builds the wall that he goes back to the king and then returns for a short time because things are out of whack again. And he had to come back and set things in order again. And so, but Nehemiah was a man. Though he faced much opposition, he did not allow that opposition to overcome him. He didn't... He didn't he didn't uh, uh, surrender to the opposition. He remained faithful to his God. You know, his prayer was, remember me, O oh my God, for good. We ought to ask God to remember us for 